The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. A couple years ago, I was back home in Salem. Uh, I went to high school in Salem, Oregon. Uh, I had graduated from college. I was an intern here at the Inn. I was home for Christmas break. I didn't really have a break. You guys were on Christmas break, and I got to go home because students weren't around. So it was great. And I, uh, I went home. I had decided to go into ministry. That's where I felt Jesus was calling me to. Um, I'm back home. I'm at the local gym working out, trying to get cut. And <laughs> trying is the key word. And uh, I'm working out, minding my own business. And I hear this kid come up behind me. He's not a kid. I hear this dude come up behind me. He's like, hey, are you Chris Thurton? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And I recognize the kid, and I can't for life me. I couldn't remember his name at the time, and I can't remember it now, which sucks. Um, yeah, tells you something about me in high school. Uh, but he says to me, hey, like, so good to see you. What are you up to now? And I'm like, hey, man, uh, I'm actually working at this church. I just graduated from SPU. I want to be a pastor. And he's like, oh, my gosh, that's so, that's so good to hear. Man, like... I never would have thought you would do that with your life, knowing you in high school. Like, that, that's the last thing I thought you'd ever be doing. And I was like, hmm, cool. What kind of, like, who was I in high school that I am, that's, that's not what he anticipated. And the reality of that story, what hit me with that is in that moment when he, when he's like, I never would have thought you would do that. Like, it, it hit me hard. I was like, oh God, like, was I that crappy of a person in high school? Um, but I think what was the hardest to hear was the fact that my identity and who I saw myself to be then wasn't the same as who I was in high school, even though I thought I was doing all right. But the reality was I had changed. I really had changed. And that's the title of this sermon. It's called You've Changed. And we've had this awesome opportunity to look through the life of Peter over the last, uh, throughout this summer, however many weeks that's been. This is like week nine, over the last nine weeks. And... Um, Throughout it, we've got to see how Peter's life has changed. And tonight we're going to get to do a little reflection on that. Uh, there's a story that we're going to read through is a story that I feel like sums up so well the changes Peter's undergone in his life. And the reason that this story is such an impactful and awesome story to me is because, like, if you look at the whole of Peter's life, it makes this story just that much better and it makes it that much more alive. Um, so I'm going to pray. We're going to read the scripture and we're going to get into it. We're going to look at how Peter's life has changed. And then we're going to look a little bit at what the, the change that happened in Peter's life, what that has to do with us and how uh, that same change that affected Peter's life can affect our life. Uh, so you guys pray with me. Father God, I thank you so much that... Uh, that you love us enough to not let us be the same as we always have been. But God, I thank you that you continue to remain the same throughout it all. Um, God, thank you that you love us no matter what, that you're for us no matter what. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be upon me and be upon us. That you give me the words to say, God, that whatever comes from my mouth that is not from you, God, would be forgotten. And everything that is from you would be remembered, God, and be put to heart. So we thank you that you're with us. God, we thank you for tonight. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Can we get the scripture? Thank you. Uh, Acts 4. We're in Acts 4. If you got your Bibles or your phones, you can pull it out and go to Acts 4, 1 through 14. Um, a little backstory. Uh, Peter, last week we heard uh, Becca talk about how the Holy Spirit um, was given to the disciples this day called Pentecost, which is just the day that 
uh, the disciples that the Spirit was unleashed on the world, which is just the presence of God, which is the helper that God has sent to us. Um, and so Becca told us all about that. Um, and John and the rest of the disciples, the rest of Jesus' followers, have been uh, out in the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming and healing people. And we found that Peter and John, two of Jesus' best friends, uh, are rolling together, which is awesome. Like, I love that they're continuing to, to stay tight and not just going off on their own. And they are, uh, together they were walking around and they healed this dude who couldn't walk. They gave him uh, the ability to walk again. And the uh, Sadducees, the the law of the day, the officials, the people that actually, the same people that crucified Jesus, didn't like that they did this, didn't like that they healed this man, didn't like that they were preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus, and so they tried to arrest them. Uh, and that's kind of where we, we pick up the story. Um, and keep in mind, as we, uh, as we read about Peter, this is the same Peter that we've heard all about. This is the same Peter uh, that walked on water but then fell in the water and then Jesus ripped, uh, picked him up out of the, the water. He's the same Peter that um, at one point Jesus told me, get, told him to get behind him, get behind me, Satan, because Peter put his foot in his mouth. This is the same Peter that we, uh, we read and we heard Grant talk about uh, that denied Jesus three times before Jesus died on the cross. This is the same Peter that did that. Um, and now we get to, to hear what Peter is doing now. Uh, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000, which means there's probably more because there was probably women and children there too, which is awesome. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, and John and Alexander and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. But what power, by what name did you do this? Did you heal this man? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, who couldn't walk, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note of the, that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could not see the man uh, who had been healed, uh, since they could see the man who had been healed standing, standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So, Peter, same dude, denied Jesus, didn't just deny Jesus. Like, this is, I love looking at these two stories together because Peter didn't just deny Jesus, he denied him three times. Jesus told him that he would deny him three times. Peter's like, no, Lord, I'm never going to deny you. Like, I love you, Lord. Like, you're my guy. I ride with you and we're going to be good. And then as soon as, like, as soon as, um, everything just kind of gets blown up, Jesus is arrested, uh, he's taken into the court. 
Peter's asked, like, hey, were you with Jesus? He's like, no, no, I was not. I don't know that man. They're like, no, I, I know your I know your voice. The way you guys talk is the same, which is kind of cool that even though, like, Peter had been walking with Jesus, he started to sound like Jesus, which is sweet. Like, that's, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you become like him. Um, it's a little side note, different sermon for another day. Or this one, whatever. And... Uh, Peter is like, no, 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 I definitely do not know Jesus, don't know this man. And the third time he denies it, he even, like, this little girl asks him, and he cusses her out. He's like, no, I don't know that dude. Like, that's how tough Peter was denying Jesus. Like, it, it was crazy. And now we see Peter, at the point of being arrested, having healed this uh, having healed this man, he's now filled with the Holy Spirit and proclaiming and teaching in the name of Jesus Christ, the resurrection from the dead, healing this man, and, like, thousands of people are coming to know Jesus. Like, Peter's changed. Does that, make, like, does that make sense? Peter is not the same man he was before. And it's this culmination of his life and his walking with Jesus that's gotten him here. And I love it because that's us. That's me. Just like that kid came to me and was like, man, I never thought that you would be giving your life to the Lord and then looking to be a pastor. I never thought that'd be the place you'd end up at. It's because I was in no place to end up there when I was in high school. But my life changed. And it's crazy when we look at change. Uh, I want to look at Peter's life and look at the way his life changed and look at the reason his life changed and look at the reason he's able to be this bold proclaimer of the truth, proclaimer of the love of God, proclaimer of the resurrection of the dead and the power of Jesus Christ. I want us to, to look at what caused that change in Peter and why that change stuck in him uh, in the midst of all the other change that was going on in his life. And it goes on in our own life. Change is an interesting thing. Change is crazy. Um, change is really difficult. Uh, a lot of people are scared of it. A lot of people don't like it. Some people really embrace it and love it. Um, but a lot of people don't like change. And what's crazy about change in the world we live in today is it's, it's a constant. Like the only constant we have is change. Isn't that crazy? Like when you think about it, we're going from quarter to quarter with new classes. Um, every quarter we have new classes. We always, uh, a lot of times we'll be changing roommates every year. Um, uh, our whole life is filled with change and in each different section of our life we get this identity about who we are and when we're a kid like when we're born we're a baby and we're dependent and we're in this one stage of life and then we change and we grow into a toddler and then we change a little bit more and we grow into a teenager and then that adolescent age lasts from like 12 to 30 sometimes and it's like crazy <laughs> and then you become an adult and you don't really know when you become an adult but you change and one day you're like wow I'm paying bills and this is wild and change is, is, is this unavoidable part of life and the hardest part about change, I think, is when it really comes to our identity. It's the thing that got me the most about this comment by this kid that, that essentially is telling me that I had changed, is the fact that when our identity changes, uh, a part of who we are changes, and that's really hard to grasp. Can I get the, the definition of identity up there? Identity is the fact of being who or what a person or a thing is. Like, Identity is who we are. It's what makes us up. It's the thing that we get. Um, it's who I am. Like when I, when someone asks who I am, I tell them these different pieces about me that make me up. Um, and we find them, we find our identity in lots of different things. And the thing that I, I love about this story of Peter is as you look through his story, as we've, we've gone through the last nine weeks looking at his story, his identity continues to change and what I love about the final story that we get to talk to tonight is as he's changing, 
there's one constant throughout and it becomes very apparent uh, in this story and we'll get there. But let's look at Peter's life a little bit. Let's look at the things that made up who Peter was. That's going to make this story that much more impactful. When Peter was a kid, when he was a young kid, uh, young Hebrew boys, uh, they would be trained to be this, they'd be trained to be a rabbi. That's the thing that you would, you would grow up to be. In Jewish culture, that's what it was. Like, from zero to, I think, 12 or 13, whatever bar mitzvah age is, I don't, I don't know. I should have researched that better. But, um, you trained to be a rabbi. So you would read the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. That was their Bible. That was the thing that they, they studied. He would know, you would train it to know it back and forth. And the, the thing that every young boy would aspire to be is a rabbi, a teacher, uh, essentially what Jesus is, a teacher, that one that would teach the law. And what would happen is when you would get to that age, that cutoff age, uh, there would be this test that you would go through and you'd either pass or not. And you would either get asked by another, by a rabbi, an older rabbi to follow them and, and walk with them and become a rabbi or you, your identity would be set and it would be like, oh, you're not good enough. So you go off and do whatever other profession your family does. So this is, this is the reality of Peter's life. For the first, uh, for the first chunk of his life, he's training to be this one thing. He gets to uh, the age of 12 or 13 and he's told, sorry, you're not good enough. So you, he enters the family profession and becomes a fisherman. Um, so right off the bat, Peter's identity is one thing. Then he's told, sorry, that's not who you are. This is who you are. And now he's a fisherman. And for the rest of his life, uh, up to the point where he meets Jesus, his identity is wrapped up in being a fisherman and ultimately wrapped up in the fact that he wasn't good enough to be a rabbi, which kind of sucks. Like, that would, that would kind of be a pain where every time you... You drop a net in every time you hear someone teaching, every uh, time you be at a synagogue at their church, like listening to a sermon. It's like, ah, wasn't good enough. <laughs> Sick. Um, but then one fateful day, he's he's fishing and, and Jesus, the most prominent teacher of the time with thousands of followers, been healing a bunch of people, comes into his life and says, you know what? I think you are good enough. Uh, I would like you to follow me. And just like that, Peter's identity has changed again. Peter's identity has changed now to a follower of Jesus, someone who walks with Jesus, someone who talks with Jesus, someone who is worthy of being a rabbi, worthy of that thing that for the majority of his life he was told he's not worthy of. And just like that, Peter's life has changed. And then we get to see this crazy up and down journey of, of Peter walking with Jesus, Peter doing incredible, amazing things like walking on water, but then doing things like forgetting that he's walking on water and starting to sink or um, telling Jesus, hey, your plan's good, but I think I have a better one. And Jesus is like, no, get behind me, Satan, like I told you before. Peter is this, is this incredible up and down journey where his faith, his walk with the Lord, his love for the Lord would go up and down, up and down. And the, the biggest down he ever had was that moment when he denied Jesus. And this is the reality of what Peter's found. His identity is continually changing. His identity is moving up, uh, up and down. His identity, his feelings, the way he feels about Jesus is moving up and down. And it's crazy. You guys tracking with me? His identity is moving and changing. And is that not us? Is that not our lives? I know it's my life. Like, you guys might have it all together. You, might, you guys might always be up on a high. Like, God bless you if you are. But I'm not. And the reality of my life is there's times where I'm down and I, I'm not feeling it. I'm just, I'm not feeling great. I'm not feeling the Lord. I'm not interacting with them well. There's times where I'm up and I'm high and I'm on the mountaintop and everything's good and great. And, and I'm loving, loving life, loving the Lord. And things, it seems like everything's clicking. Um, and that's just the reality of life. It's constantly changing. Things are constantly changing. 
And the, the, the moment that Peter's life started to have some stability is the moment that he started to interact with the God of the universe. And there's this awesome story about this dude named Moses. If you don't know Moses, go read Exodus. It's a great, great book. Um, but there's this one interaction that Moses has with God. And, and Moses asks God, what should, what should I call you? What, 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 by what name do you go by? He's essentially asking what he should tell people, uh, who, what he should call, tell people that God is, God's name is. And God says, I am that I am. Essentially, God is saying, I am what I am. I always have been. I always will be. I'm a constant. And in a world of change and chaos, there's this one constant that's God. And let's fast forward a little bit to this teaching that Jesus had. Jesus, the guy that Peter's been walking with, the guy that invited Jesus, uh, invited Peter to follow him. In his most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, he tells this analogy uh, of building your house on the rock. And he says, uh, a wise builder will build his house on the rock because the foundation is solid. And when the rains come, the storms come, when life, it's chaos and crazy, when life is changing and changing at a pace that you cannot understand or comprehend, you will be set because you have this foundation that is set in me. And he's saying that rock, that foundation is Jesus Christ himself. But he says, if you build your, 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 ground, uh, your house on the sand, when the rain comes, it'll shift and change and move. It'll change. And with the change, you will fall because you won't be stable, right? Does that make sense? If you build your house on something that's solid and and a a solid ground, a strong foundation, when everything else is changing and moving around you, you will not because it will be firm. But if something is not solid, if you build your life, your foundation of your house on something that's not solid, when everything around is changing and moving, that foundation will change and move right along with it and the house will crumble. What's that have to do with Peter? Like we just talked about, our identities as humans are always changing. Our feelings are always going up and down. They're always shifting and moving. Peter, when he told the Lord he would not deny him, put his, his, his stock, his belief, his trust in the Lord in his own fallible love for God, for Jesus. He said, yeah, God, I love you, so I won't deny you. Jesus, I love you, so I won't deny you. That's going to be enough. But then when things got hard, when it got difficult, Peter's love failed. It came up short. And this is the best part. Listen, listen. If you, listen, if you don't listen to anything else, listen to this right now. Right after Peter's love came up short, in that moment when Peter was at his lowest, when he denied Jesus, when he was at his worst, when his love for Jesus was at the worst it's ever been, that's when God's displayed the greatest, uh, gave the greatest display of his constant love that there's ever been in Jesus dying on the cross. God said, I, just, this, this is Peter's story right now. So God said, Peter, I love you so much that this thing that caused you to deny me, I'm going to die for it because you're worth it. And then I'm not just going to stay dead. I'm going to raise up from the dead so that I conquer that. And that same power that I used to raise from the dead, I'm going to use to change you and show you who you can be, who your identity can be when it's rooted in me. 
that constant love that God has had for us, that constant love that he told to Moses, that he said, I am that I am, that thing that he said, I will always be this, I will never change, is this great love for us. This great love and power that created the universe and brought us into existence is the same power that allowed Jesus to die on the cross, raised from the dead. And it's the same power that we now find Peter healing this man with and then proclaiming that truth of Jesus Christ to thousands and thousands of people. See, when, when Peter realized that Jesus died for him and raised for him, his identity changed again. His identity changed from being one that was rooted in his own love for the Lord and in what he thought the Lord wanted from him and in what he thought other people needed and wanted from him. And his identity changed to now what the Lord had done for him. It's a simple change. It seems simple. It seems easy. It seems like the other side of the coin, and it is, but it is profoundly different. When our love, when, when our relationship with the Lord, when our identity is built up on what we are doing for the Lord, we will come up short every time. Because we're broken, fallible human beings. But when our identity is rooted in what God has done for us, it'll stand firm every time. Because that is constant and it has been done and it has been done for us when we're at our lowest. And it says... No matter what happens, no matter what you do, I'm with you, I'm for you, and I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Read this book, read the Bible. It's, that's what it's telling you. Over and over and over again, God is saying, I choose you, I'm for you, I love you, I will not let you go, I will not fail you, no matter how many times you fail me, I will not let you go, I will not let you down. And I will always, always always love you enough to die for you and then love you so much more that I'll raise from the dead so that you can change and live into this love more and more and more. See, that Holy Spirit that Becca talked about last week is the same thing, that power that raised Jesus from the dead and it's the power that changes us and makes us more and more like the Lord. It's the helper that was promised to us. And so that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now that power that Peter's living into. And when Peter now has his identity in the Lord and in his love, that the love that the Lord has for him, he gets to more and more realize that power, realize that helper, realize that truth. And, and he can be bold. He can take risks. He can now go in front of thousands of people and proclaim this truth about Jesus where before he was in front of a little girl and cussed her out. That's a remarkable change. And did you catch the one thing that set him apart? Can we bring up, I think, the final slide? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men, men had been with Jesus. The thing that set Peter and John apart is that they had been with Jesus. Guys, the only way we come to know that reality, that reality of that identity, of that love, is to spend time with Jesus. See, one of my favorite analogies for, for following Jesus, walking with Jesus, about finding your identity in Jesus, is, uh, is, is a marriage one. There's one of marriage. I think that's why marriage is so important. Read the Bible. There's tons of times that Jesus and uh, the church in this world are compared to uh, a bride and her husband and the bridegroom. 
But when we think about us, if I think that if I got married tomorrow, I would, my identity would be completely different. So if I've been a bachelor my whole life, essentially, and then tomorrow I got married, would I know exactly what it means to be a husband? No, not at all. I've never been a husband, so I don't know what it means to be a husband. <laughs> I've got an idea. I've seen other people be husbands, but I myself have never been one. So I'm taking all the habits and things that I've learned about my whole life, about what it looks like for me to be me, what my identity is as a single person, and then in an instant, it changes. And now my identity is something completely different. My identity is a husband, and I have a wife I need to get to know. I need to get to know how to love her well. I, I used to put the toilet paper upside down. Now I know, flip it the other way around because it's easier to pull. Great, that's awesome. I can start doing that. I can be more the husband I need to be. Oh, maybe put the toilet seat down. A lot of toilet analogies, whatever. Um, laundry, maybe don't leave my laundry out forever until I have no underwear left. Maybe do that a little sooner. That's probably good so your room doesn't stink. Um, Things like that, like the little things as well as the big things. You learn over time. Church, you, you're, you're probably the only, no, you're not the only one married here, but you're the only husband here, I think. You, you, you can agree with this, right? That's right. But the reality is, I can't just become a husband and then expect to have it all figured out. And I also can't just blindly walk my way through it. I have to spend time with my wife and get to know her and find the th out the things that would make me a good husband to her. And that's exactly the same way it is when you follow Jesus. When you start to walk with Jesus, you become aware of this new identity of who you are, one that is surrounded and wrapped up in the unchanging love of God. And then for the rest of your life, you get to realize and live into that reality and figure out what it looks like to live into that identity. Full of grace, full of truth. There's a dude named Dietrich Bonhoeffer and he says that God is the God of truth, not the God of emotion. Because our emotions go all up and down, all up and down, but the truth of Jesus is constant. And so whether we believe it or not, that love is for us and it's with us. And so those times when we don't believe it and we're down and we fail the Lord, he picks us right back up. And he says, no, this truth is still for you. And that's the boldness that Peter has in this chapter. Peter now knows that there's nothing that can separate him from the love of God because he's done the worst. He denied God and God picked him back up. He's done the worst. And so he knows that there's nothing that can separate him from the love of God, so he may as well live like it. And he starts to more and more. And he uses the help of the Holy Spirit and he uses that time that he spent with Jesus to know who Jesus is and he's changed. And he continues to change. But that change is now rooted on the foundation and the solid rock of Jesus and his love for him. Make sense? Guys, that's the story of Peter that we've gone through. We got to see this guy grow up in his faith, grow up in his walk with the Lord. And we get to end at this story where we hear his boldness in a way that is proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. Not because it's the right thing to do, but because that is the expression of the love that God has for him that he wants everyone to have that same love. Guys, following Jesus isn't about doing the right, right thing, doing rules. 
It's about knowing who God is and about knowing who we are in light of God. And the way we do that is by getting to know Jesus Christ. That's my hope for you guys. That's the change I want to see in you guys. Not that you aren't already changing, (laughs) but that you would continue to live into that reality that you're children of God, loved, never to be forgotten or forsaken. Sound good? Father God, thank you for the life of Peter. And thank you that you love us just like you love Peter. God, I pray that we spend time with you, that we get to know you, and that our identity is found in you. God, thank you that you love us. We love you back. In your name, Jesus. Amen.